Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. What up, C12? You guys doing good tonight? How you guys doing? You guys feeling good? Man, it's good to be here. Uh, Man, thanks for being here on a Thursday night. Welcome home. Welcome to C12. Uh, If it is your first time with us, we just want to say welcome home. Maybe came in a little later. Uh, You got caught in some Mall of Georgia traffic. Uh, Well, hey, man, we'd love to just uh, get to know you. So you can go ahead and scan this on the screen. Maybe we'd love to follow up with you. want you to be a part of our ministry uh, family. And so you can just scan that QR code. And, man, we just want to have a relationship with you. We just want you to make sure that you have a, a ministry home that is that you can call family. And, and whether you're a college student or you're a young adult, hey, you can call this place home. And so uh, welcome. Welcome to C12. We're glad you're here. And uh, we're super excited for tonight. Tonight is the second uh, to last week on our uh, series on C12 Summer. We're going over biblical knowledge. And uh, I'm really excited for these last two weeks. Uh, next week, we get to kind of answer the question of, of what is spiritual warfare, but uh, tonight we're going to go answer the question of uh, what does the Bible say about the end times? And uh, maybe you've had questions about it, and maybe you're like always wondering, you're like, man, what the heck does the Bible say about the end times? Maybe you're here and you're like, oh my gosh, it's some like turn or burn message. No, like, <laughs> like you're, you're, you're okay, you're, you're fine, like nothing's going to be weird. Uh, Justin, that's your cue, you know, you come in just like Lucifer and come to the rose. Uh, uh, we literally, I, I had a conversation with someone a while ago who said they literally grew up in church and uh, they, they literally uh, came in, uh, that someone dressed up as Satan was like walking through the rows. Uh, and I was like, that's so terrifying. Like, of course I'm going to like to Jesus, t- like now. Um, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Don't worry. Uh, but I do maybe uh, just want you to think on what you think of when you think of the end times. Maybe uh, it's from uh, this movie. Hey, can you just go ahead and guess this movie? I know it's one snapshot. Get, just guess what movie out loud. What do you think it is? Say it again. <laughs> I thought I heard coin toss. I was like, is that a movie? Like, this is uh, The Knowing by Nicolas Cage. I know, I know. Super apocalyptic movie. Uh, th- maybe that's, how, that's your view of the end times. Maybe it just looks like fire is just going to blow up all of Lawrenceville and <laughs> we're all going to burn. Uh, maybe it, it's, it's this one. Uh, guess that movie. The day after tomorrow. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe the end of the world looks like this for you. Like the end times. This, this, like this is, this is what I picture. If I, okay, let's, let's just be honest. If I saw that though, I'd be like, should I be impressed or should I like, you know, like, should I just like literally pray that God take me now? Uh, go next one. Next one. Who remembers the mind calendar? The world's going to end in 2012. We all remember. <laughs> we all survived. We made it, guys. Welcome. <laughs> uh, man, we all had the uh, private group chats. Uh, planet Earth, every street. <laughs> yeah, even if nothing happens, it will still be worth a laugh. Invite everyone. <laughs> uh, they literally had a whole Facebook group. And on December 21st, not forget, the world was supposed to end. Uh, Fall on the mind calendar. Maybe that was your view. Maybe, maybe it's something like, uh, something like this. <laughs> Doomsday Preppers. How many of you guys watch this show? You guys watch Doomsday Preppers? Yep. That's, uh, that's me and my sister. Uh, we, uh, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but I used to love this show, Doomsday Preppers. You know, they hoard all the stuff in their house. They got like every gun known to mankind. Like they're just waiting. They're waiting for something to happen. And when something does, like I told you, I, I told you, now you're screwed, man. I got my house. Uh, let's go to the next one. Maybe it's, maybe at times, think of this. <sighs> that's a classic, isn't it? Yeah, this is this was when Will Smith was OG. You know what I mean? This was. <laughs> All right, go to the next one. 
Maybe, maybe it's like this, and you're looking at like, what the heck am I even looking at right now? <laughs> maybe you look at like, hey, this is some like biblical like narrative worldview of like, hey, what, what does the picture of Revelation actually look like? And you start to see in Scripture like there's just these creatures and there's these animals and there's beasts and there's like, what the heck's going on? You see this revelation that was actually given to John and he wrote this inside of a cave and now you're, maybe this is when you think of Revelation, just trying to put like some sort of imagery in, in, in your mind. And we're going to spend the rest of our time together. I just want to acknowledge something and say it out loud that there's a lot of different views about the end times. A lot of different theological indifferences, a lot of different opinions. There's lots of uh, different views when it comes to it. Maybe by looking at the, the current events in our culture, when you look at the, maybe the nation of Israel currently, when you're looking at what the United Nations is actively doing, when you're looking at those who are in office and everybody, every time someone steps into office, you're like that presence, the Antichrist, I knew it, I told you. <laughs> like they're, they're the one. Maybe it's because of diseases and war that's happening right now in our, in our world and our culture. Maybe there's just a lot of different opinions. So I'm just going to try to give and keep as narrow to Scripture as I possibly can and just trying to get my perspective when it comes to the end times. Like I said, there's lots of different opinions. There's a lot of actually really sincere followers of Jesus who have very different views, very different stances. So I'm going to try and keep as narrow to Scripture as we can. And so we're going to just kind of establish two things. One, I'm just going to kind of establish a foundation of like what, what does the Bible say about end times and then I'm going to give an overview of who Jesus is in Revelation. Because you get to see who, who Jesus really is, is coming as victorious in Revelation. So we're just going to establish a foundation. Y'all with me? Y'all ready? We got one. All right. Y'all with me? All right. So when we talk about the end times, what we're really saying as followers of Jesus is not just destruction and floods and, and chaos and zombies or some time capsule on the ground predicting like, here's the, the end of the world on this date. What we're, what we're really actually saying is the return of Christ. If you're taking notes, it says the end time is all about the return of Christ. So let me just go over the basics really quick. We, get, we went over this at the beginning of the summer. That the Bible is composed of 66 books written by 40 authors. Catch this. Okay, 20% of the Bible is devoted to prophecy. That prophecy was foretelling about events that had not happened yet. You see this in the Old Testament. There was prophecies about the coming Messiah and what Jesus came to do. And you see that get fulfilled in the New Testament. And there are, hang with me, five times as many prophecies about the second coming of Christ as there are about the first. Five times as many prophecies about the second coming of Christ as there is the first. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's important. I feel like that's probably important when you see that inside Scripture. That they're emphasizing on the second coming of Christ. So let me just lay the foundation in 1 Thessalonians. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn that out. Uh, if there's, there's ones in the chairs behind you, if you go and pull it up on your phone, you can. You can go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to kind of read this passage of Scripture. I'm going to sit inside this chunk, and I'm going to break it down like kind of verse by verse uh, inside of this. But as you're kind of turning there, 1 Thessalonians 4, I kind of wanted to give some context on the Thessalonians. Because they really believe that, hey, like Jesus could return at any point in time. Like, it'd be, like, tomorrow. Like, it could be on Monday. Like, I'm really believing that it can happen at any point in time. And there was this fear about when it was going to happen because in their minds it could happen at any point. And they were worried about, like, man, my, my sister or my mom or my brother, like, man, they knew Jesus, but, like, where, where do they go? Are they going to miss on this second coming of Christ? What, what is this? Where is the hope inside of that? And so Paul now instructs the Thessalonians, and he goes over this. He says, brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind 
who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Again, Paul's laying the essence of Christianity here. For we believe that, that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. You're probably sitting there just like, dude, what the heck's going on? Like there's, there's a trumpet, there's a loud command, like they're talking about the day, he's talking about the sleeping, like who, man, am I sleeping? Who rises first? Like what, what's going on inside this? We're going to unpack it. Let me skip down to verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I don't know about you. That's pretty, that's pretty baller. And, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let me just lay the foundation. Here's the first point. Okay, the foundation. One, Jesus is coming again. Like that, that, this is the first thing. It comes about, when you start talking about what does the Bible say about the end times, let's just go over the foundation. One, Jesus is coming again. As followers of Jesus, we have to have this on the forefront of, of, of our minds. Because sometimes when we talk about the end times, it's just kind of like an uncomfortable conversation. It's an uncomfortable topic. Maybe you talk about it in a way when you're like, ah, yeah, like uh, it's just, it's going to happen some other day, some other time. The Bible says that it, you don't even know the day or the hour, so who cares? Why, why even talk about it? And maybe for some of us talk about the end times, it just strikes like this fear in you. And, and, and maybe, you know, for, for you, you're like, gosh, I don't know, it just sounds horrible. It just sounds like this awful, wretched day. And as followers of Jesus, we have to have a biblical worldview when it comes to the end of times. Because when we don't have a biblical worldview about the end of times, we start just to fall way more in love with our current world rather than having a perspective on eternity, which is what God always wanted for you. He always wanted you to have not your mind set on things that are seen. Let me just unpack this exactly what Paul said. So we fix our eyes not on what is what? Oh, we can say it out loud. So we fix our eyes not on what is what? But on what is what? Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, God wants us to have an eternal perspective. And when we look at the end times, it's not just about here and now, but it's actually about the beginning of what eternity actually looks like. So what does the Bible say about the end times? It's just the first thing. It's Jesus is coming soon. And maybe that, 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 that doesn't resonate on a soul level. Maybe, maybe that, that, that phrase, Jesus is coming again, maybe that doesn't resonate to you on a personal soul level because you're so used to like seeing the, the sign on 85. It says, Jesus is coming, the big yellow sign. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, y'all know what I, you know. And may, may, maybe you view it as the, you know, the guy in the street corner who's like, you know, repent. And, uh, and he's just like getting the honks and he's just waving. It's like, it's so ironic. Like the, fi the, the sign is like fire and things, and he's like smiling. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what's the, what's the vibe here, you know? Uh, uh, and literally, this happened a couple years ago. I was like, I was leaving a conference, and uh, I was with one of my friends. And we, as as we were leaving, there was this guy that was standing on the side and just had this like kind of like return or burn, repent. And and uh, as we we're leaving, we had the windows rolled down, and he literally like pointed at our car and he started following us with his finger across the whole parking lot. And he goes, "It's you. I'm praying for you. You're you're going to hell." And I'm like, Woo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe that's the perspective that you have. May, maybe that's your view. When you just hear that phrase, it just doesn't sit on a soul level because of that. But you see, in the early church, they actually had this greeting. 
They had this greeting, which, which, which really meant like our Lord comes. They had this, they had this greeting when they say with each other, and they, they really believed that at any day, any time, it could happen. You know, a few years ago, I had a conversation with a guy who was like, man, I just don't want the end of times to come yet because I'm not married yet. And he was like, I just... I just want to do, you know, like what married people do, you know? And I'm like, what, just say it. Like what, he's like, I, 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 sex, I want to have sex, you know? And he was like, I'm like, just <laughs> like, and he was like, I, I just get so selfish, you know? He's like this anticipation, like, I just, I want to be married. Like, I don't want Jesus to come back yet. Like, just, just put the pause for a second. Like, God, like, don't you understand? Like, just wait, just hold on. Uh, and, and maybe there's this anticipation when you're like, man, I just want to be married. Maybe it's an anticipation of like, you know, when you finally, like, finally step into your calling, like, maybe there's this anticipation that you can't wait to have a family and kids someday. Like, there's this one thing that you just so anticipate. It's the one thing that you feel like, ah, oh, I'm just, I'm waiting for that day. See, the early church, they were waiting for Jesus to come again. They had this anticipation. They couldn't wait. Man, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. So let me just kind of unpack this whole passage of Scripture kind of just verse by verse. In 1 Thessalonians, again, we're going to unpack it. I know it's a lot. You're sitting inside a ton of scripture. It says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And what Paul's talking about in this passage, he's not talking about someone just literally falling asleep. He's not talking about, oh, man, it's 9 a.m. Sunday morning. Like, I can't. Like, I, I'm falling asleep in the front row. Like, he's, he's not talking about that. He's actually, it's his poetic way of saying the dead. He's describing those who have died because he knows that we as followers of Jesus, we don't die forever because we get to live with God for eternity as followers of Jesus. And there's this Greek word for asleep. is actually the same one that you find in John 11 where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. You go on into verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and, with the, de and the dead in Christ will rise first. So this, this is a great thing. This is a great thing. So the Lord himself is coming down. Remember how God, he, he literally spoke into existence the world. Like it, it became created because he spoke it into existence. Now he himself is coming down. Okay, and now it's coming down with a loud command. But why? Why, why the shout? Why the trumpet? Maybe, if you, maybe you're thinking like, bro, I would have come in like some baller song, dude. I'm coming on like Eminem, you know what I mean? Like I'm coming down like, it's going to be like, bro, we're, we're coming in. We're coming in cruising. We're coming on a trumpet sound. Why? Because trumpet is the sound of victory. And what is said is coming to pass and it's forever done. When you come in on a loud command on the trumpet sound, it's basically saying, dude, this is our, this is our victorious cry. We won. We have won. And you know what? What was said is coming to pass, and now it's forever done. And maybe you read, and he says that the, the, the dead in Christ will rise first. Are we good? There we go. And then we got ghosts in this room. <laughs> We're talking about the end times, guys. You never know what's going to happen. You know, we got... <laughs> I just want to pause here for a second when we talk about the dead in Christ will rise first. And maybe, maybe you've read passages of Scripture and it sounds like it just doesn't make any sense. Then you try to 
Then you try to read and understand it. Like, have you, ever, have you ever sat in Scripture and you read something and you're like, oh, I feel like it makes sense. And then you read past it and somebody asks, like, what does it mean? You're like, I have no idea what it means. Like, th- this is kind of one of those passages of the Scripture and you don't know really hard h- how to articulate it. Let me just pause here for a second because this can be a little confusing, but it appears to be that there's two resurrections. Let me just hang here for a second. I want to go this a little slow. The first resurrection is for those who are Christians who will be raised. Oh, should I just get a new mic? Yeah, yeah. Hey, get up for Camilo. Come on, man. We're going handheld now. Are we good? Can y'all hear me? Y'all hear me good? Yes, I love handhelds. <laughs> All right, um, let's pause here for a second. Uh, the first resurrection, let's go back to this. First resurrection uh, can be those for Christians who be raised from the dead. The second resurrection is for those who are not Christians. It's known as the resurrection of the, of the dead, and they'll be judged very differently. We'll look at this more as I kind of give the, the overview and the snapshot of Revelation. We kind of unpack who Jesus is uh, in Revelation. But the Christians will be judged at the Bema seat, and they'll be judged for their good works and be rewarded. And the non-Christians will be judged at the great white throne judgment. So you kind of see that it just appears to be there's two resurrections. Again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to go through that slow, but I'm going to unpack this a little later. You see this in Revelation 20. It says, blessed and holy are those who have part in the what? They all say it out loud. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the what? In the first resurrection, the second death has no power over them. This is great news for us as followers of Jesus, that the second death has no power over them, over us, because blessed and holy are those who have been part of the first resurrection. The second thing, I move along. Living Christians are taken away. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The living Christians are taken away. I just, I made this joke earlier, but what is, it would be kind of funny if God was like, you know, we're talking about the end times, so the living Christians are taken away, and all of a sudden people start disappearing around the room, you know, people are like popping up from heaven, and, uh, and I'm still here. <laughs> I didn't make it. Ah, oh, that sucks, you know. Um, <laughs> but that word, uh, when you see the living Christians are taken away, you get to see this inside 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That word caught up, I mean, to seize, to catch, to snatch, to take away, to safety. It's just, the Greek word is actually hypo, uh, uh, hypazo, which literally means to seize, to catch, to snatch. And I, don't know, I made that joke earlier about the, the, the kind of the end times in 2012. And during that time when it happened, I actually was like, oh, it's not going to happen. But at the same time, like as a sophomore in high school, I was kind of like low-key freaking out. Like, when it came to the rapture, rapture just seems like an aggressive word. And you're like, oh, that just sounds, like, so punchy. I just had, like, I just had all this fear about it. And when, uh, I, when I was in high school, I, I heard about, oh, there's this big thing, the big campaign. There's billboards everywhere, Facebook groups, and people were promoting it left and right. And people were like, oh, you know, like, man, repent. We're like, you know, the kingdom of God's coming. And, and uh, man, the end of the world's going to happen. And, and I knew that it wasn't going to happen. But at the same time, there was, like, this little bit of, a little bit of fear in me. And so as a sophomore in high school, I literally, like, got up. Up, like that early that morning and it was like I'm looking around the house and I was like mom are you still here like you know I'm like I'm like look I'm like making sure that people are still here like there was still like that little fear in me maybe it was like that little rapture rapture freak out and this word rapture is not really a word that's that's found in scripture but you get to see when it comes to the great tribulation there's a seven-year period I'm just going to kind of unpack a little bit of the different ens- essences of, of what it looks like from this different view of, of, of the word rapture. So you got the first one, which is a, a pre-trib, or you have 
mid-trib for taking notes, and you can read my hand, handwriting. Congratulations. And then you got post-trib, and then you got pan-trib, pre-trib. This just means like, hey, you know what? I really believe the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation period happens, meaning that, hey, those that are in Christ Jesus, that God would, quote-unquote, what you see in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, but this is going to happen before the tribulation period. Maybe some people have the view. Again, these are very different theological stances and views. Some people have the, the, the mid-trib view of like, you know what, in the, kind of like the right in the middle of the tribulation, right before the second half, before it gets nasty and, and, really, and really bad, that, that God's going to come right then and there. Maybe some people have the, 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 the post-trib view, which is the post-tribulation Meaning that after that's all said and done, that then, 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 then the rapture would happen. And then some just believe in a, in a, in a pantry view or like, you know what, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's just like how, however it just plays out. Like, I just really believe that, you know what, God's, God's good. And, and, and if I could just really camp out on one, I, I really believe it's under the, the character and the kindness and the goodness of God that you'd see inside of this and maybe more of a, of a pre-trib view. Again, everybody has different theological beliefs and indifferences about all of this. I just want us to get a better picture. I'm not the view. I want us to get a better picture on who Jesus is. You see this in Matthew. It says, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, the other will be taken, the other left. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour where you do not expect him. Let's move along. Third point. Christians will be with God forever. If you're taking notes, write that down. Christians will be with God forever. In 1 Thessalonians 4, they go to that last bit. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. See, Paul's instructing the Thessalonians, hey, I want you to encourage each other with the good news, with this hope that we actually get to have in Jesus. And what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us today? It doesn't mean that we just kind of hunker down in our bunker and if the world goes crazy that we just, you know, be like the doomsday preppers and we do our own little version of the purge. And you know what? I made it, man. Like, sucks to suck. You didn't make it out. And we just kind of every man for himself. No, see, what this means is that let's just be honest. We can't pretend like we don't know what's on the line. We can't pretend like we don't know what's on the line. That as followers of Jesus, we have a hope. Literally in prayer on Monday, I just had this thought, man, it would be the best and the worst thing if Jesus came back today. Man, that there are people who don't know Jesus, and that man just so weighs heavily on my soul. And you have family and brothers and sisters and maybe coworkers that you just so desperately want to know the hope that's actually found in Jesus. And here's the reality, man. People would, might still go to hell, and, man, I, we still get a paycheck. <laughs> People might be lost without God forever, but, man, life goes on for us. And maybe for us, it would just need to weigh more heavily on our soul. But, that, man, there's people who don't know this hope, who don't have this the reality, who don't know the person, the character of Jesus. So let's not pretend like we don't know what's on the line. That, that's the foundation. Well, those are the three things. That, that's just the foundation. I just want to kind of give a, a snapshot, overview of Revelation. Y'all still with me? Y'all good? 
All right, let's keep going. I know this is heavy. I know this is kind of dense, but I just want to get more of an actual biblical perspective of what the end times is. So I'm just going to throw this up on the screen. This is just a biblical uh, uh, overview of the end times. I can't go through everything. Revelation is a, it's a long book. There's lots inside of it. If you want to take a picture of this, you can. You can go through it later. There's other references of, of certain events that you see when it comes to the end times, when it comes to uh, the, even inside the book of Revelation. I'll get out of y'all's way. We're taking a picture. But you get to see uh, inside of it, Okay, what these kind of monumental moments inside of Revelation, inside the, the end times. I just threw those passages up because I want you to kind of d- go dive deeper into that and kind of read that later. But I wanted to really unpack, which I think really is more important, is actually who is Jesus in Revelation? Because you really get to see him come as victorious. It's the first thing. G- who is Jesus in Revelation? See, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. And Revelation says, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. See, in this, in this passage, you see, like, Jesus doesn't establish himself as, like, this kind of buddy-buddy relationship. Have you ever met someone, and you're, like, they're kind of soft-spoken. All of a sudden, they just, like, came out, like, you know, just guns a-blazing, and they just came out, like, you're, like, whoa, where'd that come from? Like, dang, okay. Like, you know, you, I thought you were more soft-spoken, and now all of a sudden, he's got, like, this little punch to you. You get to see Jesus really come in this sense where it's maybe not this soft buddy-buddy kind of relationship here, but he really demonstrates himself as the Alpha and the Omega, and in Greek, those are actually the first and last letters of the alphabet. Basically, in English, be like, hey, I'm the A to Z. I'm beginning to end. I, was, I'm, I'm, I, I am. I, I, I'm the one who was and the one who is to come. I am the Almighty. So you see, this is first. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. I'm going to fly through these. The second thing, Jesus is the Lamb of God. If you're taking notes, Jesus is the Lamb of God. I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you. I, just want, to, I want us to kind of go through this and actually see who Jesus is. In Revelation 5, it says, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and the people and nation. So you can see that God is on the throne in his hand, and he holds a giant scroll that is sealed with seven seals. And this is a scroll that's kind, of like kind of like the last will, the last testament. It's kind of like this declaration that is to come and it's to happen to all the people on the earth. And so the angel just responds and says, well, who's, who's worthy to open up the scroll? And you actually see John when he's having this vision, he starts like crying because he doesn't know anyone who's actually worthy until he gets this picture of a lamb. Well, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. And then, then, then they sang a new song. To Jesus, the Lamb of God, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. See, this imagery of like a lamb, you're like, that doesn't make sense to me. Why are we using the imagery of the lamb? It's very symbolic of what you actually see in the Gospels. When it says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is referenced as a lamb. And John's readers would have been very aware of this imagery. Let me move on. Let's go to the third thing. Jesus is the righteous judge. What does the Bible say by the end times? You get to see this overview, this snapshot. Who is Jesus when it comes to Revelation? Jesus is the righteous judge. Jesus righteously judges the earth. 
I don't think I put this up there on the screen, but I just kind of wanted to unpack some, some different kind of moments inside Revelation. If you can find me after service, I'll go ahead and send this to you. But it says the temple in Israel is built. You see that in Revelation 11. Then you see the, 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 the Antichrist or the beast, and it rises and institutes the mark of the beast. You see that in Revelation 13. And the, the Antichrist is killed and raised to life. And then God appoints two witnesses to perform miracles and preach. And you see that in the Revelation 11. Like you just see all this kind of happen. Again, if you want this kind of overview, come find me after service. I want to send this to you. I just, I just really think it's helpful when you get to see the overview of what Revelation is and who who Jesus is as the righteous judge. Because what's going to happen, what, what do we really mean when we say judgment? <laughs> Again, it's the uncomfortable thing kind of like in church, the uncomfortable thing when it comes to maybe conversations that, well, the end times is not like a common conversation. <laughs> this is not like, hey, man, how was your week? Cool, man. Uh, the end times, yeah. Uh, end times is like, this is not like a, a typical conversation for you. But you see that this is really an important thing Inside scripture, where the first thing is the judgment seat of Christ, known as the, 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 the Bema seat. This is found in, and found in 2 Corinthians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things while in the body, whether good or bad. And then you see the great white throne judgment. Well, who's this for? You unpack Revelation. Then I saw a great White throne. Again, this is John just seeing this vision that he had in this cave. Who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And if anyone, anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Encouraging. All right, we can all go home. <laughs> you see this Jesus as the righteous judge. Maybe we kind of get wrapped up in some attributes of who God is that we kind of forget God as a judge. We can camp out and saying God is gracious and God is merciful and God is loving and those are all true. 100% true all the time. But we can't eliminate those attributes of God and push those aside. And then we also push aside Jesus as being a judge. This is an attribute of who God is. Let's go to the last one. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings. And this is the good news that we have. Jesus is the king of kings. Revelation 19 says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called the faithful and true with justice. He judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has written on him that no one, no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads in winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of King and Lord of Lords. Jesus is the King of Kings. 
You might be saying like, man, why are we going over all of this? What's, what's really the whole point of seeing all of this? The whole point of seeing everything about what does the Bible really say about end times is to get a better picture of who Jesus really is. And it's to get a better picture that there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth and that he's going to wipe away every tear and that there's going to be no more sorrow and no more pain and no more mental health issues and no more depression and no more anxiety and no more and no more brokenness. Because when, when as followers of Jesus, when we get to be with God forever in eternity, we just get to be with him forever, which means that there's no more war and disease and strife and chaos, that we actually get to live in a perfect peace and perfect communion with God. Man, that's the hope. <laughs> we get to live with that hope. And maybe for a second tonight, God would just want to remind you, hey, don't fix your eyes on just this earth. Don't fix your eyes on maybe what you're so concerned about. But maybe would you just begin to rethink eternity? Maybe would you begin to rethink an eternal perspective that God has something bigger and better for you, which is actually a relationship with you. And that we get to be as followers of Jesus with him forever. Revelation 21, I just want us to camp out here for a second. I just want this verse to offer hope to you. Maybe you're just in a spot and you're like, dude, my life sucks right now. Maybe you came in tonight and you're like, man, I'm, we're talking about the end times. How is this actually going to bring me hope? You know why? Because there's actually better days coming. There's better days coming than the ones that we're living in right now. And Jesus says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Man, that's good news. <laughs> Maybe tonight God would just want that verse to sit on a soul level for you. He's going to wipe every tear from your eye. Everything that brought you pain, everything that brought you confusion, everything that brought you just this mourning and crying, everything that just brought all this maybe depression on your soul, it's no longer going to exist when you get to be in the presence of God forever. Man, that's the good news. This is the hope that we have, that there are better days coming, that we don't need to get wrapped up in our world right now. It's not everything. It's just a small picture. And what Paul said, let's not fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is unseen right now is heaven. We, we don't understand the magnitude of what it means to be around the Father eternally. Just singing that song, holy, holy, holy. Man, this is why we worship. This is why we, we just ask, and God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know why? Because I don't want to fall in love with this world. I want to fall in love more with heaven. I want to fall more in love, God, with what you offer, with what you have. And I just want you to stand in this moment. We're going we're to close out in worship. And I just want to camp out for a second. I just want to sit in a moment of prayer before we jump in. That maybe for you, you just came in with like stuff. You came in with like just baggage. You came in with like problems. You just came in with like, this is the constant pain that I deal with. This is like the, the mental health that I have and it just never goes away. This is the anxiety that I carry. This is, this is what my life always is and nothing ever changes. And maybe God would just want to remind you tonight that, hey, better days are coming. Maybe tonight God would just want to shift your perspective from, hey, don't focus on right here, right now. 
Don't focus on the temporary. But man, focus on an eternal perspective. And that we get to be with him forever. I just want you to close your eyes, bow your head. And maybe just, like I said, you came in tonight and you're like, dude, my life just sucks. I'm just carrying heavy stuff. Maybe out of tonight, you never thought a message about the end times would bring hope or encouragement. I just want you to get a picture of heaven just for a second. I want you just to think of, maybe you're 22 in here, you're 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, whatever your age is in this room. Maybe you're sitting here and you're just thinking through, man, all the things that just weigh me down. It's all the insecurities, all the pain. I just want you to begin to think of everything that's bringing you trauma right now, everything that's bringing you pain. Begin to think through it. Things in your past, things that you grew up with, things in this week, things maybe that just happened today. Maybe news that you didn't want to get. Maybe an unexpected illness. Maybe there's a tragic accident. Maybe it was something horrible that happened in your family and there's brokenness in, inside your, 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 your own family, inside your parents and I just want you to think on that for a second. Don't worry, I'm, I'm taking it somewhere. And I just want you to get a picture of Jesus interacting with you. Jesus coming up to you, wiping away every tear. He steps into your pain. He steps into your trauma. He steps in. He takes it all away for the old order of things. That's all gone. That's all passed away. But behold, I'm making everything new. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. This is what we get to look forward to. No more suffering. No more trials. No more agony. Man, this is why the Thessalonians had such a hope and that Jesus was going to come again soon because the things that just so weigh you down, the things that bring you pain, hey, you don't have to deal with that anymore. And maybe would God just show you a picture of heaven? So God, I just pray, Father, over those God in this room who come in, Father, and just are having a horrible time, God, right now in their God, in their life, and God, there's things that weigh them down. And Father, I just pray, God, that you would give them your peace. God, would you give them a perspective, God, that is, hey, we have better days coming, God. They're, you're going to be making everything new, and God, we get to cling to who you are. And God, there's the hope that's actually found in Jesus. And God, I just pray that this would be kind of a, uh, God, maybe even a fresh sense of, of a calling on us, that we have this urgency, that we just, we just can't wait, that there's this anticipation of a, of a better day coming. God, it puts in us, Father, a fire and a desire that, hey, we just can't shut up about it, that we as followers of Jesus, we have something because it's, hey, this world is going to pass away, but we get to cling to an eternal perspective. And so, God, may we invite other people into that. God, may we spread that hope because it's the hope that we have. And so, God, we just ask and, God, we just pray that, God, may we have a glimpse of heaven. God, just a glimpse of heaven in this room, God, as we worship. God, would you touch our hearts? God, would you meet us? 
And God, may we just join in what the angels are already doing. Just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship well, C12. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at c 12 Stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.